the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area. If you're familiar with San Jose, that's kind of the area that's stuck between the city of Campbell and the neighborhood of Willow Glen and um, the site of uh, the former uh, Camden High School, which is now a, uh, a shopping center. Uh, and also uh, partially the Camden Community Center. So I'm very close to that. Uh, It's close to my kids' school. I'm hoping that they will be able to go back to school live in person completely um, in the fall where they'll be starting eighth grade. I don't know about you, but it's been uh, difficult during this past school year uh, with my kids. Uh, Both of them are working from home. One is doing Zoom meetings with her school. The other one I had to pull out and I'm homeschooling at this time. Uh, Something I didn't plan on doing and something that I didn't train to do but it seems to be working out okay and my big goal for this school year is to get my kids through seventh grade so that they can go on to eighth grade and I know that many families probably that's their goal too just to survive this academic year. Now, um, I'm going to go through a, a usual show today. I, I'm not going to, I have, I was considering getting political today, but decided against that. I might do it um, next, uh, next Friday. We'll see. Uh, my show generally is not intended to be political, but sometimes there's things that happen that do have um, effects and they're caused by one party or the other, um, or sometimes the parties working together. That's the major parties, that is. And there are political decisions made that have ramifications in the area of estate tax and uh, income tax, property tax, and estate planning. Um, I've talked back in December about Proposition 19. Uh, We're about to see Proposition 19 rear its ugly head in uh, full glory. And this you cannot blame either party on. You can blame the the backers of the proposition and the basically the blatant lies of omission that they foisted on the public here in California, causing a lot of people to vote for the proposition, not realizing that they were voting for more than just one part of the proposition. And as a result, a lot of people are going, what the heck? 
I didn't know that was in that proposition. Hopefully there will be a, a movement starting very, very soon to repeal the proposition or at least the parts of it that are um, that are really obnoxious. And I'll just use the term obnoxious. I think it's a great term to describe just what some aspects of Proposition 19 actually are. But following my usual format, I'm going to dive in with questions and comments from around the state of California. I'm also encouraging you that if you have a question that you'd like to ask of me on the air, um, I will be taking questions on the air. It's 800-516-1220. If you'd like to call in, that's 800-516-1220. My engineer is standing by to take your call. I will say, though, I will not be entertaining any calls or discussion of Proposition 19. Um, it's kind of too late to do much of anything about that, and, uh, and I'm not assisting with it anyway, so I'm not going to talk about it today. All right, so here is um, a question out of El Cajon, California. Person said, my mom passed away and had her home listed on her living trust with me as the successor trustee, but it wasn't on the deed, just her name was on the deed. Can I sell the property without going through probate? Well, the answer to this is you're going to either have to go through probate or if it was listed on your mother's trust and there's proof that she intended it to be part of her trust, then it's possible to go to court uh, doing what's called a Hegstat petition, which is a petition where you ask the court to sign an order declaring that property of some kind, whether it's real property, real estate, or personal property, such as a bank account or a brokerage account or something similar, to declare that property is, in fact, property owned by the trust of the person who has died because there is written evidence that they intended that to be the case. In this particular situation out of El Cajon, I would say that it's likely that a Hegstat petition, which is under probate code section 850-850, would be the appropriate action to take uh, by the successor trustee of Mom's Trust to get that property into Mom's Trust. And uh, that is certainly going to be faster than going through the probate process, and uh, and it will mean that... Uh, property can be sold uh, sooner rather than later because it would likely take longer going through the probate process. Now here's one out of Los Angeles and uh, the the person indicated um, wants to know well will I be impacted by capital gains tax if I don't sell now? All right kind of strange. House was under my mother's trust I was a successor trustee Um, mom bought the house in the 1950s for like $150,000. I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure that's more like $15,000. So property taxes are very low. I just transferred the property into my name. Moms in hospice probably won't make it through the year. I would ask, first of all, did you have the authority to take your mother's property and put it in your name? Probably not. Uh, that could actually, as an aside, that could actually be considered elder financial abuse and conversion. That's a legal term for taking property that you're in charge of that's not yours 
and converting it or turning it over to your own ownership or your own use without paying for it. Um, but let's get past that and say the property's been transferred into Sun's name. And uh, so Prop 19 won't apply. But now I'm hearing it'll affect me negatively regarding capital gains. So, um, yeah, by transferring the property now, there's also a transfer of the cost basis or the value of the property for income tax purposes, that capital gains tax that was referenced. And um, and that means if mom had a very, very low cost basis, like $15,000, and it says here the property might be worth $1.4 million, then if you go to sell that property now, now that you own it, um, you will pay capital gains tax on pretty much everything over the $15,000. And that will be ordinary income tax on that amount for the state of California. So transferring that property to you now from Mom's Trust, setting aside whether that's even permitted under the terms of the trust or really was actually elder financial abuse, that means that you have now gifted yourself a big capital gains tax problem. If you sell that property now or if you sell it later on, uh, even after your mother died, because now when she dies, there's no revalue of the property for income tax purposes because she doesn't own it anymore. So if you're concerned about capital gains tax, you might want to consider, and I'm not giving actual legal advice here, but the thing to consider might be to transfer the property back into mom's trust so that she actually owns it when she dies. Uh, because then there will be what's called a step up in the cost basis to the market value of $1.4 million. And you could then, then sell the property and pay no income tax capital gains. So we're coming up with the first break of the show today. And I just want you to stay tuned for more Plan Your State Radio with Attorney Bob Brigman. And I will talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back. I've been told by my engineer that I have a caller that came in over the break. Uh, Frank in Mountain View, not too far from me. Frank, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi, good afternoon. So you're, you're uh, as my old acquaintance Len Tillum would say, so why do you want to talk to a lawyer? Um, well... So um, why are you calling a lawyer on this afternoon, this actually this beautiful afternoon here in the Bay Area? Well, I have a question on an A.B. trust. We okay. did our trust about 10 years ago, and they recommended this A.B. trust, and I don't really understand why we have it. That's, uh, yeah, I would almost ask that question, too. Um, and you say 10 years ago, and that seems fairly recent for doing that type of planning as a usual thing. Um, I mean, without getting into a lot of details, typically within the last 10 years, I would only consider doing an A-B trust if if the uh, the couple in question had a very large estate and they wanted to make sure to use the estate tax exemption 
of each spouse as part of the planning, <clears throat> or if you had a situation where where one or the other spouse was in a high-risk profession where they could be sued for malpractice like law, accountancy, uh, a doctor, a pilot, maybe a civil engineer, things like that. Now, for those of you listening, an AB trust is a trust for a married couple that provides, typically provides, that when the first spouse passes away, that spouse's share of the property owned by the marriage goes into typically a B trust or bypass trust, and it's intended to use the estate plan exclusion amount of the spouse that just died. And that B trust, which is now irrevocable, typically is set up to provide income and, if necessary, principal or other monies from the B trust to take care of the surviving spouse. Then the surviving spouse's share of the property goes into the A trust, sometimes called the survivor's trust, and that is a revocable trust. So the survivor can kind of change that at will. I would be very surprised seeing an AB trust prepared as a matter of course nowadays because the federal estate tax exclusion is very high. And even if it gets rolled back in this administration, it still is probably going to be very high relative to the wealth that most families have. Um, So, Frank, was this was the um, was what I just said on the air? Was that explained to you when you and your spouse set up this trust? Uh, yes, pretty much so, but it was okay. kind of explained to me like, um, so when my wife, if she passes them, uh, I would get whatever's in our estate or whatever, and then when I died, um, it, her share would have to go, or I couldn't change it, or it would go to our kids. In other words... I guess if I got remarried or did whatever, I couldn't leave the whole thing to the girl I just married, which I have no intentions on doing. But, yeah, and that's that's yeah. absolutely right. When you have a B trust or a bypass trust, it is basically hardwired, irrevocable, and it cannot be changed by anybody unless you were to go to court have it modified for some reason, which is something that I do on a regular basis for families. Um, I actually do it for families that have an AB trust, and the surviving spouse looks and says, why should I split everything? You know, we have a very modest estate, and the kids think it's a bad idea, so we'll actually go to court and get rid of the requirement to create the B trust. Um, That's very common, especially with trusts set up 20, 25 years ago back when it made more sense than it does today. So, yeah, it is a way of kind of guaranteeing that the B trust assets go to the kids. Um, Uh You could set it up that way in order to to make sure that uh, the kids get that. But there's drawbacks with using that approach to make sure the kids get the deceased spouse's half of the property. Um, They also don't get the benefit of a step up in the cost basis on anything in that B trust, like a rental property or half the house or stocks or bonds oh. or mutual funds. I would, wow. in a situation like that, yeah. I would do um, um, a, a different type of trust, what we would sometimes call an AC trust, 
with an optional B trust. And the C trust is a marital trust where the deceased spouse's share of property goes into that trust, but it is still irrevocable and unchangeable. But when the surviving spouse dies, the property in that C trust called a marital Q-tip trust is considered part of their estate at death, so it gets revalued to current market value for income tax purposes. So it's a way to protect the children from a remarriage situation and at the same time not lose the benefit of getting an increased value for income tax purposes. Back in the day, I used to call that the Las Vegas Showgirl Trust. It was set up so that so that the wife dies, the husband couldn't marry the... the uh, the sweet young thing from the chorus line at the Flamingo, and then leave everything to that person and cut out the kids. Nowadays, because I have to be equal, it's also the Chippendale Trust, Chippendale Dancers Trust, or the Thunder from Down Under. That's another group there in Vegas. But it's the same concept. Um, And it can be used to provide protection for the kids' inheritance, but it can be planned so that they, they don't lose a major tax advantage down the line when the surviving parent passes away. Does yes, that make uh, sense? Uh, yes, it, it really does. But, you know, even when we did the uh, the AB Trust, I, I wasn't really for it. I mean, I didn't really see any reason uh, to have it because um, I would have no intentions of, uh, you know, uh, uh, cutting my... Uh, my kids, I have two kids out of the truck. Oh, I, you know, I understand that. But but just to play devil's advocate for a moment, which I'm good at, it, as attorneys, we can take both sides and in the middle at the same time. Um, in my experience, I've been practicing 40 years now, and I've seen a couple of cases, including one in my extended family, where um, where the surviving spouse did, in fact, remarry and cut out the kids. So, um, yeah, and yeah. I understand your sentiment. I'm the same way. Um, I'm the same way. I would never, ever, ever cut out my children. They're the, they're the love of my life. Um, yes. but at the same time, uh, we have to understand that, you know, spouses think differently and, and, uh, I'm not going to get in, into your marriage and talk about uh, the dynamics there, but, it's sometimes that's the way to, to kind of fix that problem. But there's a better way to do that than an AB trust. It would be an AC trust with an optional B trust. Um, so that's something to consider that, that maybe it could, be, um, it could be redrafted to provide the protection that maybe your wife wants for your kids, uh, but give a better benefit for them. So, Frank, I'm going to have to wrap this up now. We're coming up on the second break of the show today. Thank you so much for calling in. I I hope you've listened before. This isn't just your first time, and you'll keep listening in the future. So thanks for calling, Frank. This is Bob Bergman. Uh, We're at the, uh, the bottom of the hour now, and I'll talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back. Uh, that was a great call with Frank from Mountain View before the break, uh, asking about an AB trust. Um, just to kind of tie that off a little more, um, 
AB trusts, uh, people might do that because uh, they want to protect the surviving spouse, maybe from someone swooping in and uh, winning them over and then now leaving everything to someone instead of the kids. Um, that is um, that is not an unusual thing. And, um, you know, people can be concerned about that. I mean, uh, I mean, in my own situation, um, my estate plan actually provides that should my wife predecease me, that her shoes and handbags, which are high end and expensive, that they will be actually turned over to my mother-in-law or my sister-in-law to hold for the benefit of my daughters uh, until they come of age. If they're already of age, it goes to them anyway. And that's basically so uh, I don't remarry and leave all of those items or give them all to um, to a new spouse because that's not what my wife would want. Now, I wouldn't do that anyway, but fine with me if we put that into the estate plan because it makes her more comfortable. And, and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law both know that that's in there because they've seen everything. They know what's in there. And uh, and they know that I'll honor that because, you know, now as I sit here, I don't know that my daughters would be able to wear my wife's uh, high-end shoes because they're taller than she is now. And they actually both have pretty large feet. Um, they're both at least 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, and they have large feet. In fact, um, they can almost almost at a point where they can wear my shoes, and I'm a men's nine and a half. So I have kind of smaller feet, but um, I don't know if it will be an issue. And I don't know if they'll really be into uh, handbags, you know, Chanel or something like that. Um, I've become quite an expert on actually shoes and handbags, living with my wife all these years. Um, But uh, in, in any event... There are reasons still to do an AB trust, although in many cases an AC trust with the marital Q-tip trust might make a lot more sense. So I'm still available if someone else wants to call in. It's 800-516-1220. And I'm going to move on with the show with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Okay, here's out of San Diego. Someone says, my father has dementia that has progressed And the topic of a power of attorney, unfortunately, has never been discussed. If I have him sign a power of attorney at this stage, would it be valid? Well, the person said here, actually earlier said, father has advanced dementia. Uh, Said, we recently went to one of his banks and he added me to that account. And I'm also the executor over his estate. So I'm sure his wishes for me to handle all the tough decisions facing our family. I'm the eldest son with two other siblings. Well, whether or not a power of attorney at this stage will be valid has everything to do with whether or not a medical doctor is willing to put in writing that your father still has sufficient mental ability or capability to understand what he's signing in order to grant that power. If he doesn't have that anymore, then you really can't get the power of attorney And unfortunately, even though you may have been added to uh, a bank account, if there's other assets that dad owns, if he owns a house, all sorts of things like that, if he reaches the point where he is completely incapacitated, you may not have the authority to handle a lot of things for him because you don't have that power of attorney. 
or you don't have a trust that owns assets where someone can take over as the successor trustee. And that's likely going to end up triggering a conservatorship for dad in order to handle all those things. Now, obviously, a conservatorship will be avoided if this person's father just passes away without going through a a process of becoming completely incapacitated. I, I would not wish that, of course, on somebody. Um, But at this point, if it is, in fact, too late to do a power of attorney, there's not much you can do except go to court and get a conservatorship established for the father uh, if now someone needs to take over and handle everything for him. This is why I suggest people do estate planning while they're young and healthy, because you can be young and healthy and you can be incapacitated in an instant from an accident, from a stroke from any number of things, and once that happens, it's too late to do planning. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's just a fact. Once you once you become incapacitated, you can't go back and really do the planning. A husband might be able to do it with a wife, or a wife might be able to do it with a husband. If one of them is incapacitated, there's special rules that permit you to go to court, maybe even set up a trust. Um, it's what's called a substituted judgment petition. Um, but the court's really, <clears throat> excuse me, court's really only going to permit you to set up a trust like that through the court if it's one spouse with the other spouse who's incapacitated and if the beneficiaries of that trust are the natural beneficiaries of that couple. In other words, the children. Um, so, uh, so that is, um, I've done one of those in my career. It was many, many years ago. Early on, when people weren't really sure if you could use that law to do that, and I did it here in Santa Clara County, but it's not a very, very commonplace petition, and I'm not sure what the current um, climate is now for those petitions being granted by the courts, because I haven't done one for, now that I think about it, probably for 30 years. So it may be that it's just not... um, it's just not uh, really that much done anymore. Now, here's someone out of Menlo Park. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, a little dry today. Um, and uh, he said, we have a trust that was dated and notarized um, in 2018, and we updated the Schedule A of assets of our trust this uh, uh, this month. And this was back at the end of January of this year. Um, When I compared the old Schedule A with the new one at the bottom of the old page, I see 2002 to 2018 and the new Schedule 2002 to 2021. Just wonder if we need to have it witnessed. Do we have to have the the trust notarized again when we update the schedule? These are kind of the questions this person has. Well, generally, a Schedule A, my preference is to have a Schedule A be set up so that people can, in fact, update it as their assets change, as they maybe open bank accounts or brokerage accounts or close them, as they acquire new real estate, sell old real estate, update the schedule. I have it set up so that it can be dated and signed at the bottom. And what I tell people to do is take your your old schedule, Destroy the old schedule, replace it with the new schedule that's dated and signed by you at the bottom, and then put it in with your estate plan. 
and keep it updated, keep it current. It's going to be very useful for whoever has to take over your trust after you've died or become incapacitated so that they know what kinds of property your trust actually owns. I would also encourage that you consider whether or not the things you've listed on your schedule should, in fact, be titled as well in the name of your trust. I would say in the case of real estate, absolutely should be titled in the name of the trust. In the case of brokerage accounts, I agree with that too. In the case of bank accounts, generally, yes, unless you want to keep a small personal account in your individual name that you use to just pay the bills as they come in. Uh, But any place where you store money, like a savings account, a money market account, a CD, that should be owned by your trust. Real estate should be owned by your trust. Brokerage accounts should be owned by your trust. Perhaps even life insurance that you own should be directed to your trust, not even directly to your spouse. Now, why do I say that? With life insurance, often there are insurance companies out there that have set up banks, and and a lot of the major ones have banks now. And when someone dies who has an insurance policy there, they will often turn around when they're notified and they will send out a checking account book with blank checks because they'll have taken the proceeds of that insurance and they just make a book entry over on the side in the bank and then send and say, now here, we've opened a checking account for you and you can use the checks to write whatever you need in order to... um, in order to pay off the mortgage, pay the debts, pay the bills, pay off the credit cards, all that stuff. And we're making it really convenient for you, the surviving spouse, to do that. And that's all well and good, except what will usually happen is the surviving spouse says, well, this is really handy to have this. And they keep that account in their name with the insurance company's bank subsidiary, and that account could have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in it. And they don't think about moving that into an account owned by the trust so it avoids conservatorship and avoids probate at death. That's the flaw with naming your spouse directly. If you name the trust, then that means they still might send that checking account or that check checkbook. But at the same time, it's now going to say um, spouse as the trustee of the trust, which means that if the spouse doesn't do anything else, it still is in the trust. And if they die or become incapacitated, the successor trustee of that trust would be able to take over immediately. And that's my preference as an attorney. Other attorneys might have a different opinion about that, but um, I believe that that works best. And that's my opinion, and I'm standing by it. Okay, we're coming up on the third break of the show today. I'll be finishing up the show with some more questions and comments when we come back after this last commercial break. And uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, We have one more segment to go, and I'll talk with you then. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. We're in the final segment of our show today, and I have a, a small handful of questions and comments from around the state, so I'm going to jump right in and uh, bring the show home. 
So out of Glendale, California, we have a question about um, stocks and bonds left in mom's trust after mom died. Um, uh, my brother and I are co-trustees and co-beneficiaries of mom's trust, which has no specific direction other than the trust is to be split down the middle. So 50-50 to each brother. What happens if one of us wants to keep the stock and the other one wants money? Can the trust distribute equal shares of the stock and then each do as they please? Yeah, that would be the easiest thing to do. It's just, okay, it's in, say, the stock is in a brokerage account. You go to the brokerage account, Schwab or Vanguard or whatever it is, and you say, we would like to set up uh, two brokerage accounts, one for each of us, and then here is the instruction from us as trustees. Take this stock and divide it equally between these two new accounts and close out the old account. And nowadays, because they can do shares of stock as fractional shares out to, I don't know, five or six decimal points, uh, very easy to do that. Um, and and that would be the thing. And then, then each of them can decide, I want to keep my stock. You have a brokerage account holding it. The other one says, sell my stock, and they convert it to cash. And then they close out the brokerage account, take cash, and go on with their lives. So that is a very commonplace thing right there. Now, out of Los Angeles, without estate planning, will my property automatically pass to my loved ones? My loved ones, I assume the person's referring to their intestate heirs, the people who would inherit from them because they have no estate plan. Uh, And there's nothing automatic about it. Uh, There are some things you could do to make it easier Uh, without estate planning, but anything you do would be a form of estate planning. If you put a pay-on-death beneficiary on a bank account, that's a form of estate planning. Um, If you put property in joint tenancy with your loved ones, that's a form of estate planning. But here, without estate planning, which I assume means nothing was done at all, that means that if your property is of sufficient value, whether it's real estate or personal property, if it's more than about $166,000, it's actually $166,000 and some change. Uh, if it's more than that amount, then your estate will have to go through the entire probate process of the state of California in order to get the property passed on to your loved ones. And, and presumably, the people it would go to are the same people you consider to be your loved ones. Uh, loved ones is kind of vague. Uh, I would say your next of kin, your intestate heirs, those are the people who would receive your property, but it would have to go through the whole probate process. One of the reasons why I suggest to people, don't sit around and do no estate planning, because then that means the state of California has written a plan for you, and it may have property going to people you don't want it to go to, and it's going to be expensive, and it's going to take a long time for that to happen. So that's why I urge people to do estate planning while they're healthy, maybe even while they're young, and then they can adjust it going forward. But um, but if you have kids, you need to do planning. If you have grandkids that you want to benefit, you need to do planning. I mean, there's just a, this is one of those things we can say that um, the only things certain in life are death and taxes. And as an estate planning attorney, I can help plan for death and I can help plan for taxes in many ways. Um, that's what I do. It's, it's what my job is. It's what my vocation is. It's what I've been doing 
for 40 years now. Um, and just to let you all know out there, uh, a couple months ago I indicated I was no longer uh, taking in new estate planning clients to do planning for them. Um, I'm announcing today that I am reopening my practice to those who want to have estate planning done. You can always uh, go to my website at lawbob.com. You could click on um, an estate planning consultation if you'd like to have me either review your existing plan and suggest how it could be improved or updated, or if you haven't done any planning and you'd like to meet with someone like me either in person in my office in San Jose or virtually through a Zoom-type meeting. I don't use Zoom for the meetings, uh, but it's similar. It's a similar platform, and uh, we can certainly do that. I don't charge for initial consultations. Um, my fees are not cheap, but uh, you will have 40 years of estate planning experience behind you if you come and work with me. So you can go to lawbob.com. You can schedule a consultation with me, um, I can tell you that this upcoming week is already full, and the following week I'm out of the state on vacation with my family. So the earliest would be towards the end of February, first part of March, that you could actually schedule a meeting with me. So um, we're coming up on the end of the show today, roughly a minute to go. I've enjoyed the show today. Uh, I've found that uh, I'm actually... Um, um, more alert today than I have been in many of the days during this pandemic. I've had days, I don't know about you, I've had days where I've had brain fog and where I can't remember where I set something down five minutes ago. Uh, I know these are all symptoms of pandemic weariness. We're all worn out by this. We want to come out on the other side healthier and happier and, and with as little damage to our psyches as possible. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I hope you have a great weekend. Goodbye, Bay Area. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.